from the Summer Skate Studios Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey West Weekly. Behind the Masks College Hockey West Weekly is brought to you by Toyota of the Desert, where there's more to our dealership than just sales and service. Your trusted Toyota dealer at toyotaofthedesert.com or at 68-105 Kyle Road in Cathedral City, California. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas or 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. Stop in for lunch, cater your next event, or just buy a couple of bottles of our award-winning sauces. Top Golf, let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team-building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. The Tag Creative Group. Search T Grand Rudd at redbubble.com and let us help you create a unique design for you or your business. Behind the Mask Hockey Shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to behindthemask.com whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, where an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations around the world. The Spaghetti Shack, classic Italian comfort food quickly with locations in Tempe, Pine Top, and our ghost kitchen in Queen Creek. Order online at thespaghettishack.com. Liberty University, play for something more. Faith, education, and hockey at liberty.edu. College Hockey Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. Summer Skates, shower shoes or koozies to show your game and style at summerskates.com. And by the Caesars Sportsbook app, a proud partner of the NHL. College Hockey West Weekly from the Summer Skates Studios presented by Behind the Mask as a part of the IceTimeHockeyWest.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, to Tuesday night and the second night of NCHC week, as I'm calling it here on the College Hockey West weekly podcast. Scott Strandy with you today from a very beautiful uh, Palm Springs, California, where it's uh, 82 degrees. I had to uh, stay away from the pool today just because it's a little cool. But um, anyway, my co-host is always Paul Hornstein joining me from that big, beautiful palatial estate out on Long Island, New York. Ah, Paul, I'm sure you got plenty of time to get some sun in today out on the island. Um, first of all, I don't know where you get this palatial estate nonsense from. <laughs> Every show and, and still no, no estate? No, I, 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 I know you're shocked at this. But you, <laughs> you know, do have a fire pit, though, right? Yeah, I do. I okay. had to go steal okay. some bricks from other people's yards and <laughs> try to put one together. <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway, um, you know, so I, beautiful, listen, sunshiny have... day out there on the island. No, I was just waiting for the no? wind to kick up and people start to yell, Auntie M, Auntie M, Auntie M. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Anyway, uh, this is NCHC week, and uh, we had Michael Weissman on, the associate commissioner, right, on yeah. Sunday. Last night, um, we were uh, filled with hockey, or at least I was filled with hockey, <laughs> because well, so listen, we had AHL uh, playoffs. Have, have they told you? Um, no, I don't know. 
I'm 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 just waiting because if if Coachella Valley wins, I certainly expect you to be on one of the trucks for the parade. <laughs> you think so, do you? Yeah, I, I have my doubts on that. That that's kind of like what you were know. telling have, me today I that have, I need to be on the charter flight to Hershey. I have information otherwise. Um, oh, great. I, I wasn't on the ice last <laughs> night. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> nice. Well, so, well, there's four wins I, to I, go. I, According to Dan Bilesma, there's four more wins that need to be recorded before well, that I can get happen. That, but but listen, I don't have you know I I. I I don't have red carpets thrown out for me when 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 the press box doors open and 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 that kind of stuff. I, you know. Well, you got to get out of the basement first. Well, that's it. They don't <laughs> let me out of the basement. I'm, I don't not royalty like you. I'm just a- anyway. So uh, Coachella Valley did, and I know this is NCAA, and I know this is NCHC talking. I promise we're going to get to it because we have a great guest on tonight as well. Uh, but. Um, Coachella Valley does get the job done last night. Um, they jumped out to a 2 nothing lead, and um, Joey just kind of slammed the door. Of course, that's Joey DeCord. Um, well, right. See, and, just, uh, see, does, can we just say that? Because now it kind of at least is in the Venn diagram of college hockey. <laughs> yeah. Jo- Joey, about- Joey played well. It ended up being 4-3, but... Yeah, <laughs> get that in there while you're at it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and we'll ask our guest in a minute when he comes on about the officiating part of it. But there was a, a penalty called um, for closing his hand on the puck in the face-off circle and uh, right. ended up giving uh, a six-on-four advantage um, to uh, the Firebirds, I'm sorry, to uh, the Admirals. And uh, I asked Joe in the press conference after, I said, what's going through your head of that? And he goes, well... He said, I know I what was going through his head. He was going to try and score. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He said, I, know I, I going saw. His head. <laughs> he said, I saw something on Instagram that was about um, good and bad. And he said, it really didn't have anything to do with hockey. It was just about situations. And he said, six on four, disadvantage, bad. But the opportunity that I can shoot the puck down the ice and not get called for icing, good. <laughs> Sure enough, he gets the puck. Oh, yeah, this is, yeah. (laughs) He gets the puck. The first thing that's going through his head is what Paul Hornstein said. He's going to shoot the puck down the ice. He does. Uh, Dan Bilesman told me that um, he thought uh, (laughs) Max McCormick was trying to wish that puck into the net. It missed by about a foot to the left of the net. And uh, everybody was saying, like, why didn't Max just catch up to it and tuck it in the net? Well, it wasn't quite that easy. But anyway. Um, but Coachella Valley does win, so now it sets up a uh, a matchup starting Thursday for the Calder Cup Championship with the oldest franchise, I believe, in uh, in the AHL in Hershey, and uh, the youngest franchise in Coachella Valley, which is going to be a storyline in itself. But and this is going to lead right into our guest, so we're going to bring our guest on now because we've got the new director of officiating for the NCHC, Mike Schmidt, with us. Um, Mike's got a connection to somebody in Hershey, and uh, I'm going to find out if he knows. But uh, Mike, Scott, and uh, Paul with you tonight. First of all, how are you, my friend? I don't think I've seen you in person in 18 years, and at that point you were certifying me to be an official in USA Hockey. It's been that long, huh? I can't remember uh, <laughs> how long it's been, but that is a long time. Uh, how are you? Just going to be another. This is just going to be another Minnesota love fest. I'm just going to sit back and let you guys talk. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm, doing, I, I'm, uh, doing, I'm doing good, and uh, you are right. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I don't have any favorite teams in the American Hockey League, but I am pushing for Hershey because of Macy. <laughs> Absolutely. I knew that was coming. I'm looking forward to meet, meeting him again. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but I was uh, an assistant coach with Corwin uh, back when Mason was a squirt. And we couldn't keep him in the squirt lineup because they kept taking him up to the peewee group. <laughs> <laughs> That's... I, you know, he, I don't think he ever played in the level he's supposed to be in for a long time. But then uh, <laughs> the nice thing about Mason is that not only is he a good hockey player, comes from a great family, but the kid is, he's a great kid. I mean, he comes back to my net. Uh, he gets involved with the local uh, group here, but he's just, he's just a great kid. So all, great all around family, as you know. Well, first things, congratulations on the uh, the new position. I'm excited for you. As you know, uh, we cover uh, CC and Denver, and uh, hopefully we'll be expanding a little bit more. So I'll see uh, a lot of NCHC teams for the past couple of weeks. I spent all of last year, Mike, in Denver, getting closer to uh, CC, Denver, Air Force, as we grew our brand a little bit. Um, this past three or four months, I've been in Southern California working on the AHL side of things. So... Um, looking forward to that. And uh, Michael Weissman uh, was shocked when I told him, I said, you know that, that Mike uh, <laughs> certified me as an official and I used to referee with his son, Brandon. He's going like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that goes way back. It goes a long ways back. I can't imagine Brandon how old he was, but he's, he was pretty young at the time. <laughs> he certainly was, but still a good official and uh, even better person. He's uh, he's moving up in the uh, the law enforcement ranks. I understand. Yeah, he um, he was a police officer up in Brooklyn Park in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, he recently, a few months ago, got hired by uh, Homeland Security, and he's going to be uh, based in. Uh, in uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis area. And actually right now he is uh, down at uh, federal law enforcement training down in Georgia until October and uh, in Brunswick, Georgia. And we were fortunate enough, my wife and I, Beth, uh, we were in Hilton Head last week uh, doing a little vacationing and which is only an hour and a half from there. So he came up on Friday night and joined us for supper up in Hilton Head. And uh, it was great to see him. Awesome. And of course, Bryce played over at Lake Superior State. What's, what's Bryce up to these days? Well, Bryce is actually back here in uh, beautiful Minot, North Dakota. He uh, moved back about four years ago. He was in Fargo when he uh, got done playing at Lake State. Uh, and then uh, a job opportunity came up as a uh, medical rep with a company called Sue Surgical. That has, it's actually owned by Ryan Hale, who used to play for UND. And uh, Brett Davidson, um, he's uh, working for them. Uh, um, there's a bunch of hockey players, Nick Jones, Spiewak, all these uh, hockey players uh, work for the same company and they distribute Arthrex uh, medical devices. Very nice, very nice. Okay, um, enough of that stuff. Let's, let's get into this new position because I know Paul Hornstein's got a lot to ask you as well. About, by the way, Mike, Paul is a uh, ASU alum living on Long Island, if that even computes, but <laughs> <laughs> him and I have been doing this podcast for over five years now and absolutely love it. Uh, made so many connections, had so much fun and, and different things. But uh, when I started this company, it was to grow the game of hockey through doing interviews and and providing opportunities for people to talk about what they do and why this sport is so great. And, you know, I'll tell you right off the get-go, uh, Coachella Valley had 10,087 people in that building last night. And they may not have all known the game, but they were sure having a good time watching it. 
know, that's that's great when these crowds like that get into it. Uh, uh, you know, I will actually look at the Vegas crowds too, how they get into it too uh, on these, you know, basically non-hockey type of sites. But, uh, you know, it's great, it's great in the area that you're at that hockey is growing and uh, that they're excited about it. Absolutely. Okay. Paul, if you're still there, I'm going to let you get in after this question. But Mike, oh, tell us say, what really the director... let me talk? <laughs> Mike, tell us what the director of officiating does for the NCHC, what I call the best conference in college hockey. Well, basically, uh, what the director of officiating is, is, uh, you know, the title is kind of self-explanatory. They will direct the officiating. So the individual is in charge of getting the officiating staff uh, lined up, uh, linesmen, uh, uh, referees. Um, That individual also does the scheduling with the officials, um, sets the schedule for the year, uh, gets the referees into place, uh, the game's assignments for the year. Uh, The other thing that the individual do is uh, be that liaison between the officials and coaches. Um, you know, basically uh, we'll be sending out, I, I'll be sending out videos to coaches, uh, you know, on the weekends, uh, interacting with the coaches um, and then directly being involved with our supervisors. We're one of the only leagues in the country that has supervisors at almost every game. Last year we had 14 games not covered by supervisors, but we have five supervisors at this time. And that'll be my job is to, uh, you know, assign those supervisors and also meet with the supervisors about where do we want our league to go in terms of the calls, consistency, uh, you know, how we're doing things. And then the uh, one other side of my job will be possible suspensions. If there's a possible suspension that comes, um, I'll be making that determination along with our commissioner and how we're going to handle that. Uh, so basically, yeah, running the running the show with officials and make sure we have the officiating staff up to where it should be with uh the excellence of that our league expects and that uh like i said don adam did a good job of uh uh with the program getting it off the ground uh, he's been there for 10 years and um you know hopefully i can keep the excellence moving uh forward with the league okay so that you that that brings up the first question that uh that that that, that came to my head is as, as i'm listening to you explain um i would assume because that's the, I, that's the way it's always worked is uh, home teams and non-conference games get supply the officiating. Uh, you have, you said you have five supervisors. Uh, if you have more than five games, how do you decide what games to go to? It would be basically, you know, the games would be basically um, if I, if I need to see a team, you know, from my philosophy, it'd be for me supervising and going out to the games is uh I want to see coaches that I haven't seen, uh, get a rotation of places I haven't visited because also what I'm in charge of is the video replay technicians. I mean, each school hires their own technicians. We want to make sure that they're up to par. And, you know, so I want to make sure that I'm, I'm seeing those individuals on a regular basis. And then, of course, on the intensity of the game sometimes, um, you know, as the season goes on and we have, a, you know, Denver playing North Dakota and it's for first place uh, in the league. Uh, um, yeah, I might move myself into there or one of our, our you know, some more senior supervisors to, to supervise those games. Now, do you guys do dry runs with the say the video uh, staff for the for the for the for the reviews? Do you just have? I mean, do you guys look to to make sure you've got as many angles covered as you can, or is that dictated by the NCAA? No, we 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 determine the angles that we have um as of last year our league came up with we want six 
every rink has to have six shots, okay. six angles, you know, blue line uh, behind the nets um, and overall, we call it the coach's shot that shows the whole ice surface and then a reverse angle. So not every institution or in every building will have the same look because of, you know, um, older buildings versus new. But yes, what we'll do is we'll go in uh, uh, earlier in that uh, while the teams are warming up technicians will be there look you know looking at the video we'll be looking at the video when the referees are out there we bring the referees in during warm-ups they do a dry run through there to look at all the camera angles to make sure everything is working um and like i said not every angle is the same in every building we have blue line cameras but some are embedded into the boards some are on top of the glass so that you know the referees want to get a good look at that so yeah we do a dry run beforehand uh, before every game uh both friday and saturday nights Mike, let me ask you this, because I remember way back when, when you were officiating us, and a couple of things that I that I always take away from what you taught was um, the authoritative stuff. And I don't mean uh, demonstrative, but I mean m making your call and making it decisive. Um, and I use that all the time now in everything that I do. Like when I deal with Paul, of course, I have to be decisive <laughs> and get him to shut up occasionally. But... <laughs> But anyway, uh, that decisiveness, and then at the same time, we were talking back then about how hard it was to get officials to uh, to do games, especially at the youth level, because um, you know parents would get a little overzealous or whatever, and nobody really wanted to do that. But has that gotten better over time, and and how does that affect college officials, or does it? Yeah, I mean the the. The pool of officiating is getting small. There's no doubt about it. And that. That's across the board um, on every sport, you know, hockey, soccer, football. Um, we're very fortunate here in Minot that uh, we have uh, Thor Nelson, who had, you know, 20 plus years in the NHL as linesman, and he's our referee in chief in North Dakota. He's got a zero tolerance policy, and we really come to bat for our officials here. And, um, you know, we protect them uh, as much as we can. And, and with that said, we probably have. I'm going to miscount here, but we probably put about eight to 10 of our officials in Minot in Division One college hockey and in international hockey. So, you know, you have to protect your officials, and that's why I think we do a good job of that. Um, in fact, yes, I was just talking to another director of officiating today from another league, and we were talking about the pool of officials, and it's just not there like it was 15 years ago. Um, you know, some we like to look at guys that maybe, you know, you guys are talking about the American Hockey League. You know, I look at guys uh, in our league, we have about three or four guys that, you know, they said, you know, I don't, don't want to do the American Hockey League as much anymore. I'd like to find a gig that's a little bit, uh, you know, different, the weekends uh, only, which is college hockey. Um, and what has happened with the American Hockey League guys is a lot of guys to get done doing the American Hockey League, and they said, I'm done. I've had enough of it. Nope, I don't want to go into college hockey. Uh, so what I'm hoping to, going to do is I'm grow from the inside, you know, bring up guys doing lines, uh, make them a good linesman, get them comfortable with the league, comfortable with coaches, and then break them into, you know, refing part-time. Uh, my son Brandon did that. Uh, Sterling Egan did that for us. They're linesmen. Then we've moved them 50-50 to refing, and now they're full-time referees. So uh, I think that's how we're going to have to build it looking out forward and with the uh, with the officiating uh, uh, pool the way it is. Do you uh... – I, I know, I, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not making this story up. I'm I'm pretty sure that I this is I've heard it done this way. Uh, look for ex players to recruit to be officials. Yeah, that I mean that's being done right now. 
in the NHL. Uh, right. You know, they're going to X, X, you know, pro players and, and things of that nature. Because coaches, a lot of coaches say we want, we want officials to have a feel for the game. Right. They say we want a feel for the game. So, and, and I understand what they're saying. So they're looking at ex hockey, hockey players to get that, you know, feel for the game. So, to, so, so to be it. And, uh, and it's worked out, I think in some instances, um, you know, there's a man Cato player. I can't remember his name. He's in, he's in the NHL now. And we've had some guys in the past. Um, we had uh, a couple of guys when the league started out the NCHC a few years ago, we've had a couple of players that, uh, you know, did uh, come with us and uh, they did a good job. Um, I would welcome an ex-player that's got some experience, but, you know, I, I look at it as that there is a difference between playing hockey and officiating hockey, you know, to go in from playing hockey and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, putting the skates on and putting the stripes on and going into a D1 game a year later is totally different. And if that, no, no, no. I, I, I get, I get that. I, yeah. But uh, I mean, would you, when, when you go to games or when you've, and and maybe it's just not something that's in the foreground, and I would understand that, but um, because obviously um, you'd even want an ex player like, hey, you know, start here or start there, yep. um, even if it's you know junior hockey or 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 I mean, just there's enough places to play high school hockey. Um, you know, I mean, you'd have to, you got to find somebody with the right mindset, but, um, ha, is that being done too? You know, I think it is. I think we're trying to reach out to those and, and we've actually talked in the last few years, I've talked to a couple of the D one coaches in our league and they asked that question, Hey, is there anybody out there that, you know, that would like to get into officiating and do exactly like you said, start in, you know, junior program or the high school program, move their way up. And, um, and I, and I know it's kind of tough for us around here because, you know, like some of the players don't stay around here, but I'm talking to these right. coaches They're they move back to their you know place. They come from things of that nature there. And, and let's face it. A lot of these guys, when they are done playing college, they're going to try to do, you know, at the next level as much as they can. Uh, they really don't want to think about officiating, but I right. mean, I would, I would love to take, you know, a couple of guys at that level and, and yeah, if they're doing some things back at uh, where they're at now, doing high school hockey or, or junior or USA hockey, absolutely. Because like you said, that feel for the game, I think they have it. And I think that's, you know, they, they got the skating ability. That's right. one of the biggest things. So absolutely. And, uh, and it's, we've done in the past. I think we should probably look into it a little bit more, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, that's, that's a great idea. Because, you know, even with the, I mean, the NAHL expands all the time. Yep. They're everywhere. So- so I mean, um, if you could, if if I mean, obviously, I mean, and those are, and there's a lot of places there that, um, in that league where you know te- places are in places where you don't see a lot of professional hockey. So, um, I mean, do you? It has to be a mindset, though, right? I mean, what makes somebody decide they want to be an official in the first place? What made you decide that? Well, it is a mindset. Uh, you, you brought up my son. I mean, I have one son, Brandon, who's refing in the league. And I had the other son that played at Lake State Division One hockey, and I told him, I said, perfect opportunity to get involved. And he wants embrace nothing to do with it. He wants nothing <laughs> to do with officiating whatsoever. And and Brandon, being the you know police officer, being that a little bit more authoritative, um, loves it. Embrace just 
doesn't want didn't didn't want to be involved with it and and I think it just takes um it's a fine line and 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 the, th- the camps I used to teach is you want a person that has confidence but not arrogance officiating and like right. you went back to back to you talked about early being authoritative with your calls I mean you have to be um you know you, ha- you have to be in, in demand of your call and command of your calls you have you know your center stage at that, that point in time and a lot of people don't know how to handle that you know when you blow the whistle what happens when you blow the whistle the tension's on you everybody looks at you right. what is this guy doing well he's making the call and you have to be comfortable in that position and and like i said i've seen some individuals that are not comfortable right away doing youth hockey but as you groom them and get them comfortable in those situations and being you know that you are in charge of a game you're basically in charge of that situation you know once we get through that comfort factor some guys dwell on it but uh, again what makes good officials is other guys dwell on dwell on a lot a lot easier and a lot quicker mike uh, uh on the different side of it now when i'm not on the ice and i'm behind the glass so to speak and uh and doing the the picture part of it one of the things i always uh gravitate to is the face off um i get a lot of pictures of it a because it's easy to get a good still shot of it but i also want to watch the officials the linesmen especially um and i notice a couple of things in the AHL. i'm just curious on this part of it like uh uh, a referee will drop the puck uh, to start a period and start the game. Uh, but then from that point forward, it's all linesmen, right? Um, yep. And I watch very carefully how they all drop the puck. And I, it, <laughs> maybe this is kind of beating up on the uh, <laughs> the referee, but uh, I think the linesmen are just much better at that. Maybe that's because they do it all the time. That's what they do. But, um, you know, one of the things I've watched with Coachella Valley and Milwaukee in this series was – uh, the faceoffs were so important, and I thought Coachella Valley got back into the game by winning um, certainly offensive zone faceoffs that they weren't winning in Milwaukee. So, uh, can you talk a little bit about um, the expertise, if I can use that word, in in making a proper puck drop at uh, for a linesman at any level? No, no, that's a good question, and. Uh... And you're right, linesmen are better at dropping pucks. But uh, every time I was able to drop a puck at the beginning of a period, I would always tell the linesmen, watch, this is how it's done. And uh, it was never done correctly. <laughs> Can't guarantee you, but, yeah. uh, but no, it, it's amazing face-offs, how big they've become. Um, the coaches, it, you know, when I go meet with the coaches, when I was supervising the league, so I'd go and meet with the coaches Friday night before the game. They'd show me some video the week before. We'd talk about things. And they would always bring up, you got to watch this centerman. He moves his feet this way. He moves his feet that way. You got to watch this guy. He cheats. This is how they do it. Um, you know, it's it's almost they look at faceoffs almost bigger than they do penalties um, in some situations. Um, so I, when you compare the college, because we have this discussion with some of our um, linesmen that work for us in our league and also work um, the East Coast League, American Hockey League, also a part time basis, is they say it's easier to drop pucks in the pros because you have 80, 90, 100 games, right? I mean, I don't even know what t- how many games these guys are playing right now before they get in the championship. But they know that not every face-off is a, you know, do-or-die situation, right? I mean, you have 80 games in the season. It's not that big of a deal. And they listen to the linesmen. I mean, they're pros. They listen. College hockey is a little bit different. Less games, uh, younger, ki- younger players. They just haven't uh, adapted to that. You know, we have to listen to this linesman. 
um, and it's harder to control them. So we basically tell our linesmen is that you always communicate with the guys before they even come in. You step between them and the face-off dot. You're communicating to the guys, okay, I want this to be a fair face-off. Get your sticks down. I want to pause when that when that when uh, when your sticks are down. I'm not going to drop until there is. You give me a good place to drop it, I'm going to drop it. Um, so it's, it's just communicating with them all the time. And there it goes back because you have great linesmen, you have good linesmen, you have some not-so-good linesmen. It's basically due to communication and the ability to control those uh, centers and those wingers in those situations. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, you, you can't do what we used to do when we were officiated roller hockey and we were doing 9- and 10-year-olds and just grab both sticks and put them down. I don't think you can do that at that level, right? God, there's times I wish you could. I wish you could. <laughs> It'd be nice. <laughs> Just put them down here now. Oh. Um, you know. Um, so when when I do the research and and I have to do the research because Scott just knows everybody and everything anyway. Um, <laughs> what is? Uh, You've done, obviously, collegiate hockey. You've also done a lot of international hockey. Um, is there much of a difference in, 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 in what you're doing and, 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 and how uh, you approach things like face-offs and, 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 and just the game in general? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, like college hockey and, and basically to international hockey is, is a lot different. I mean – when I do do my international hockey is uh, I think it's 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 changing a little bit, but I think you know everything is called out in, in, in the big hits are called everything like that is called international hockey. And when we look at college hockey, um, you know it's a changing horizon. And in fact, you know I'm, I'm with this new position, I'm looking, I'm talking to coaches, and I talked to one coach just today. We had a long conversation, and we look at it is that. The, the salaries that the coaches are getting now in college hockey, they're not comparable to, let's say, football, right? But, I mean, they're going, right. they're getting up there. And what we're dealing with is we're dealing with part-time officials because um, every official that works college hockey has a part-time job, a real job, I, I would say. Um, but yet we're officiating guys, coaches that are making some good money and at different levels, you know, different leagues, almost, you know, you might get on the ice where there's, you know, some nights, if, you, if you're doing a Michigan, you know, Minnesota game, what, half the guys are draft picks, at least? <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, you know, and yet we're dealing with our officials who are part-time amateurs, so to speak. So, we know, we have to get our officials in that mindset, and I really do push that to them, that you got to remember that these guys' jobs are on the line, and I know it puts a lot of pressure on these guys, but you know, we have to make sure that we're the best we can because I'm not going to say one call will ruin a guy's career, but, you know, a couple of calls, a couple of losses, it could, it could uh, cause a coach to, you know, you know, not get his contract uh, renewed. So I, I think that's the difference that we look at in, in college hockey is, uh, is we have to be on our game all the time and put the other stuff that happened the week of our real job and our family life and get ready for that game itself. Well, and I just, I assume that, it it always helps that you're gonna make a call. Make a call. Be sure. Yep. You know, I think coaches have a lot less problems. They might not agree with the call, but how you make the call definitely makes a difference, does it not? Well, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And uh, 
you know, and it goes back to, you know, what Scott was saying earlier about being authoritative on your calls. I mean, if you're confident in your call, even though the coach, you know, I'm going to go back, I'm going to use like a linesman analogy. When you got a linesman that's on the line and it's a close offside and he just blows the whistle and he goes out of 10 feet off the boards and just points on the line and he's just, you know, pointing hard and blowing that whistle hard, he's pretty confident he made the right call. And even as a coach, if you don't agree with it, you look at him going, well, you know what? He's pretty confident he sold the calls. We, we like to speak. I think that has to be be done in those situations out there. And uh, and you have to stand by your call. I mean, uh, you know, when, I, when you make a call and a coach doesn't agree with it, you know, you have to stand by the call. And the one thing I tell officials, and this can't happen, this can't happen, you know, 10 times a game. But if you do screw up on a call and you know you screwed up on a call, own up to it. You know, a coach can't really argue with you if you say, you know what, that, that one's on me. You know, that one's on me. And uh, you move on. I think you gain a little respect when you do that. But you can't be doing that, like I said, you know, five, six times a game. Mike, let, let me ask you this because, you know, 18 years ago, whatever it was, when you were training me, we didn't have video replay. There weren't, you know, a lot of cell phone cameras taking video of everything and all of this. Is that helping the game, uh, the officiating side of it, to, to have the replays? Or in your mind, has it gotten a little bit, maybe over the top oh boy uh video, oh, i'll, I'll save you on this, Mike. <laughs> i didn't mean I'll to put you on the spot on that I, one but I, no no no, I, no, 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 no. I, I will save it no what? i will save it it 1000 percent absolutely has if you have to stop a, a thing frame by frame by frame and it takes you more than 10 seconds to figure it out then the call stands i mean enough is enough um if you want to take a look at goals because obviously <laughs> uh, that might be a little bit different, uh, especially in a playoff situation. But we're just getting, it is getting completely and totally out of hand. And the referees have a tough enough job as it is. And I, I understand the thought process of getting it right. But I don't want robots. I want human beings playing the game. I want humans officiating the games. I don't want if if I wanted a if I wanted to watch what a camera does, I I don't need to to watch a hockey game to see what a camera does. You you know what, Paul? You became my favorite person right now. I tell you that. Right oh now. boy, and, that uh, head is gonna swell yeah, out. Hey, <laughs> but you and I, you and I echo each other. Um, and the reason I paused on the video replay is that uh, we could go until twelve o'clock tonight. I, I talk about, this, but you hit. And the, everything right there is that the video replay, I know it's there for a reason. I, I understand it 100%. And the first time I, I ever used video replay in college hockey was 98 in Milwaukee. It was Boston University, Boston University playing Michigan. And it was the semifinal of a frozen, of the frozen four at that time. And basically, all we used it for did the puck cross That's the line it. or not? That was it. That was it. They just said that's a, that was a big thing. They were using video for this, and I did have to use it one time in that game. And uh, and I agree is that, like you said, is that when it's taken kind of away from the from the officials to have a feel for that game, and it's it's a, it's a crutch for some officials because now there's a big hit. They they they're 100 know what they saw, but yet the guy's on the ice. So now they go, we need to go look at the video. And like you said. 
after you looked at the video, you know, one or two times, make your decision. And what happens is I think two guys look at the video too long, frame by frame, reverse it, reverse angle, slow motion, whatever. And then you, they talk themselves into a call by looking at that video replay over and over and over. So I, I agree with everything you said on the video replay. I, I know I know it's here to stay. We're not going to change it. But we have to do things to make it better. And, and it's not a good fan experience. No. You're sitting there looking at five minutes for a video when the place is rocking. And, and you know, and all of a sudden we have to have a video review on something. Uh, so I agree with 100% on that. Uh, but, you know, I think we have to work on that. And that's one of the things that I'm going to try to work on is getting our guys a little bit quicker on the review and maybe not going to the view as much and just be confident in your calls. I mean, you know, it's not the Super Bowl. We don't have 700 angles to look at. I mean, like you said, there's six. It shouldn't take that long. No, and 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 the thing is, is like I said before, some of the venues, now let's, let's face it, I, I do a lot of work at, at, at UND, at Grand Forks. Well, that, right. you know, let's face that rank has everything. So they, they have angles all over the place, but other buildings don't. And one of the things that happens with the length of the reviews is, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Do we do a check with the, uh, you know, the, the reviews is the technician sometimes, you know, they can't get to the review quick enough. Or what will happen is if we have TV at those venues, we'll have TV shots. And then what I'll be looking at is the TV monitor and we can get that feed through there because that might be a, vi- a view that we don't have through our system. So I'll look at that and say, Hey, we need to get that down to those guys. And that probably takes about 20 or 30 seconds. So, Maybe we just don't do that in the future. I don't know. But again, what happens is, is at the end, if we don't use all the video review uh, angles we have, then all of a sudden the angle comes up an hour after the game. And then all of a sudden the coach goes, why didn't you look at that angle? So we have to make sure we have them all in that time period too. But, uh, but I agree with everything that we need to speed it up. Okay, I got to ask you about this one. I already opened up one can of worms. I promise I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> but, no, don't but, worry. I'll open them up for you. Uh, That's my job. But, um, Mike, if you remember last year, the uh, the game at uh, Mankato where it was basically over and um, they brought everybody back to replay it when they determined that the puck didn't actually go into the net, went under it. Yep. Um, have you ever seen a situation like that before and had you been in charge of that particular one, uh, is there anything that could have been done differently? Or how did that kind of get out of hand? I mean, uh, we were told that, that officials were already dressed and gone, and had to come back and, and get ready again. Well, yeah, a lot of things happened with that one. Um, in fact, the, the officials were still there. They were, they were in fact, I know, because one of the linesmen, he works for us, he was, uh, they get pizza afterwards and stuff, and he was like two or three slices into it already, um, you know, having his pizza afterwards. <laughs> um, and the, the, the bad situation happened there is that the video replay um, official does not sit in the rink itself. The individual is like in the tunnel where the Zamboni is. So you can't have, you, you can't have a feel for the game when you don't, you're not watching the game right? And if you're just watching a video replay camera, you just don't have a feel for the game. So what happened is, you know, he didn't see it happen live. He went down and looked at the video. He got the angles he could. Um, game is over. Well, then that's where everything started, you know, tumbling out of control is that then, you know, they shot, saw some videos from, I don't know if they shot in the stands or whatever. Then they said, let's go back and look at the video again. 
they re ran up the video and my understanding is the is the commissioner at the time said we're going to get the guys back on the ice and replay it and there is a there is a verbiage in the rule book that's saying once the play is over and the officials leave the ice and it's you know the game is over the game is over and actually because of that they actually put stronger verbiage in the rule book this past year about when a game is completed and when it is finished and uh so we call that we call that the uh the mankato rule there is that one but uh yeah <laughs> there's a yeah there's a lot of because i was we were at the excel center for our tournament and we said you know hey it's over it's done and then one of the media person people came up and said they're playing again we're trying to figure out what the how can that happen and it's just uh <laughs> I was yeah, at the Excel yeah. Energy Center that day. I remember that same thing happening. It was crazy. Yeah, so hopefully something like that won't happen again. Well, that that's what I mean. I mean, it, it, there there has to be kind of almost like a checklist. Angle one, two, three, and that's, you know, uh, or I mean, in this case, five. I mean, I don't, you know, however you, you would want to label it, um, just because you don't want that happening. No. I, I mean, I get the, the, the bigness of the spot. I mean, it affected the NCAA tournament, if I remember correctly. Yep, absolutely. And, you well, know, who got in and who didn't. Yeah, um, I think Mankato was in anyway, but um, but I would assume that, like I said, there's there has to be uh, some sort of checklist where you're like, okay, we have to make sure this doesn't happen, so we have to do A, B, and C and get that done and do that quickly uh, before you guys even start a game, no? Absolutely, and, and, and you're right. And, and with our supervisors, because we would help um, when I was supervising, you would be up in the video helping. We can't make the call, um, and not every league has supervisors, like I said before. Right. Our league is fortunate to have that. So we were up there, we can we can walk the guys through it, we can tell them to look at this, look at that. Ultimately, the call is the guy, uh, guys on the ice. But you're exactly right, is that we we try to tell our guys at camp, okay, this is just like you said, here's the checklist. Look at, you know, not only where, what the situation, let's say the puck entry in the, in the net, let's look 10 seconds before. Was there a possible high stick? Was there a possible hand pass? Let's look at how the puck got towards that area. And then when it did cross the goal line, yes, let's look at the net. Was the net on that uh, moorings? Was it not? So... And once you have all those those uh, check marks done, then let's move on uh, to the next one. You know, to the next one. But uh, in that situation, I just think the the weirdness of it is the net coming up at the same time the puck was, you know, kind of by the post going in. I just don't think they got the best angle at the at the time, and the replay officials, you know, that was giving that view to the referees on the ice, they just didn't see it in time, and that you know it led to that mess. Well, and listen, I mean, this it's one of the reasons why you never say never. I mean, there's always going to be weird things that happen that you can't anticipate. But, um, yeah, I don't – I mean, hopefully that that, uh, that stuff like that doesn't happen too much in the future. And, uh, you know, uh, so now do you guys have a meeting with all the coaches before the season starts? And yeah, the officials? We, yep, yep. We uh, basically combine ours. So the league will always have a media day, and that's usually in the end of September. Um, so the coaches will be down at the Excel for media day. And then we will have a, 
the supervisors and myself will come in and meet with the coaches. Uh, we'll show the NCAA tape for the year. And then what we'll do is we'll talk, you know, to the coaches about, you know, the year is coming up. If it's a rule change year, we'll cover the rules. Um, and we'll, you know, basically during the course of the day, we'll just, you know, be basically talking to the coaches and situations like that. And then that's the same time we're bringing our officials. We bring the referees in down to uh, St. Paul. And then what we'll do is we'll have a two-day camp down in St. Paul with our officials. The NCAA will come in, representatives come in and show their tapes. Uh, and then we will basically cover everything in our league, you know, um, you know, and what I'm going to be doing with this, with our uh, league this year is I'm going to be really going heavy on the video. I've already reached out to our director of operations saying, hey, send me 10 clips of unique situations like you were talking about earlier or situations that you guys didn't agree with. So, you know, we can start looking at those as, you know, as a group with officials and then just discuss it through because basically I want us to come out with, we're not going to come in agreement with every call, but I definitely want us leaning you know, one way or the other, like in a goaltender interference in this situation here, huh? you know, what are we looking at? So our league can get a little consistency with those calls going into this uh, upcoming season. Okay. So I, I don't expect you to, to, to name drop here because that's the last thing I want you to do. But <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. Our, our, is, is is there one or two coaches where you're like, oh, I hate this because he's going to ask 9 million questions? No. Does that happen, or is it pretty much steady <laughs> across the board? No, I mean, it's it's actually it's actually pretty good. Our, our coaching staff is pretty good. I mean, we, we, have, we have a couple coaches that, you know, like even on a Saturday when I'll go in after a Friday night's game, and they might have got their butts kicked and had like 20 penalties called against them to the other team's four – I'll come into this coach and say, Coach, I think, nope, everything was good. We're good. I'm ready to get my butt reamed by this guy, you know, but no, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, everything is good. But no, we have, you know, we have a few and uh, that and that will bring up, uh, you know, situations. It's kind of funny when you get all the coaches together because you always have that one. Let's, let's, oh, let's, I get it. That's why let, I'm asking. Yeah, I, I let, just... Exactly. Let's throw the name out. Clevin for UND. He had a lot of majors this year. <laughs> I mean, a great player and, uh, and, and a great player. So then we get in these coaches meetings, some of them say, well, in that one game, and, and then, you know, they're beating around the bush and all of a sudden, you know, Brad Barry, well, okay, you're talking about Clevin. Well, we got kind of are. And then it's kind of like, they kind of go back and forth. Well, if, if your guy Mazer from DU doesn't dive so much, uh, so, you know, oh, so they yeah, kind of go back great. and forth. This is what I, this is what <laughs> I live for. Yes. You yes. know, you know, they go. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun in those situations where, you know, the, the coaches do get their little, little digs in. And, and again, where the coaches really will talk to you is when you, we got one-on-one, you know, before the right. games on Friday, they'll sit there and go, Hey, you got to watch this player for the other team, you know, and he, he dives and embellishes a lot. And uh, in fact, you know, we got that in, in NCAA because I, I uh, help out with the NCAAs in the regional. One of the coaches said, you got to watch this guy. He dives all over the place. And, of course, we don't know these teams because we had none of our teams from our league there. And so we kind of watched that guy. He was the best player on the ice. He never touched the ice. I don't know what the coach was talking about. <laughs> but uh, They're always trying to get their, their edge in, but it's uh, but it's fun. It's it's good. It's a good time with them. Well, listen, just, just so you know, is full disclosure, when we have meetings, there's always there's always one teacher that's like, which direction does the sun come up in again? <laughs> so I, I don't want to make it seem like this is just a coaching thing. 
That's oh, all. No. I just <laughs> oh no. So I mean, um, so you've coached, uh, uh coached. Uh, you've officiated in world championships, and you've officiated uh, world juniors. Yep. Um, is there even a comparison from when you officiated those to what the what what that's like now? Because uh, maybe it's just my my exposure to it, but I think the pressure in the World Juniors has almost gotten Stanley Cup playoff like. Oh yeah, it's it's huge. And uh, I did two World Juniors. I did my first one is in is in Germany, and and that was I mean it was an exciting time. It was great hockey, and but my second one was in in Red Deer. Oh boy, and it was it was during the NHL strike, and that was when. Canada was flipping loaded. They they, yeah. they they were just loaded with talent. And that was a round robin situation at the time. So you played every team, right? right. And uh, so it was, it was very interesting because, you know, I, I can imagine what the pressure was like because I felt it there a little bit because, you know, it was in Canada. You had all the pros, the, 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 the town. We had play games in Calgary, play games in Edmonton, Red Deer, all over the place. So I was doing a um J- January 1st game uh New Year's Day game was Finland and Canada and what happened Sweden or somebody got upset so what happened is this turned out to be the gold medal game there really wasn't a gold medal game because it right. was it was round robin so this was actually the gold medal game and it was in Edmonton and all of us were getting ready and they came in the IHF IHF guys came and said we're delaying the game for 45 minutes or a half hour I can't remember what it was we're going what because the the people are lined up for tickets out there. We they we their their line is around the block. We can't. Well, we open up the game a half hour later to a sold out venue. It was like nineteen thousand people, crazy Canadians going goofy, and uh, so that's you know, I got to experience a little bit of that. But no, it's nothing compared to what it is now. Well, um, listen, just just in case, just in case people were wondering, um, uh, I pulled up that roster: Jason Allison, Brian McCabe, Eric Daze. Alexander Dale, Jeff Friesen, uh, Jeff O'Neill, Wade Redden, Jason Botterill, Ed Jovanowski, uh, and uh, somebody that I won't – somebody you know, who used to play for that team in Ontario that uh, took a cheap <laughs> shot at some people, and I won't mention the name. Um, but, uh, you know, um, you when you say loaded, you're not – there's about a half a dozen first-round picks on that team off the top of my head, but I didn't even look it up where those guys were drafted. So <laughs> it was fun. It was, it was a great experience. I'll tell you that. All right, Mike, I'm, I'm going to let you go on this one because I always try to give Paul a little geography lesson about uh, Minnesota and North Dakota. And uh, one thing we keep talking about uh, over and over again, and um, it's kind of a two part question, but the first part is ACHA hockey really big in my not. Um, and now they're they're kind of commingling with NCAA. You see a lot of ACHA teams wanting to to, to play an exhibition against uh, uh, an NCAA program. So, a, do you think that's a good idea? And b, any chance in the world we're ever going to see NCAA Division One hockey in Minot, North Dakota? <laughs> well, I, I, your first question, I think it is. I mean, I look at uh, DU, Dave Carl. Um, I know my state is going to play DU this year and going to CC. Um, and Dave has been really good about playing Lindenwood, um, bringing in uh, UNLV. I think they played last year. 
and I, I think he's done a good job about you know taking some of the top ACHC H, AC, uh, HA teams and uh, giving them a chance to play on that platform. Um, and, I, and I think that is a good idea um, as long as you know it, you know the ability is there. Um, I was talking to the assistant coach for Mayan State. And when they signed this with Denver, he was kind of going to me like, I don't know what we did. He goes, but it'll be doing the world juniors and hopefully they'll have four or five of their guys gone. So maybe <laughs> and, and their head coach <laughs> and their head coach is gone. Um, you know what? My state is funny. Cause we, I had this conversation. We had the, the women's ACHA national championships here two or three years ago. And we had a good con- contingency from my state there. And, um, and, you know, we just talked about it a little bit and, and, it it costs money. There's no doubt about it. But if there's ever a sport, I believe that in Minot with Minot State University that could do it would would be hockey. I mean, we built a we built a facility, the Pepsi uh, facility that is second to none around here. In fact, you know Frank um, Saratori is out here scouting, and he just looked around. and goes, "This is nicer than half the rinks they play in Atlantic." You know, I mean, there'd have to be some additions to do it. You know, weight rooms, things like that. But, um, and we do have some alumni, there's some alumni from Iowa State that have been very successful in the oil field business out here, and uh, they have some deep pockets. Um, it's just trying to get the administration on board. Uh, it's a big ask, but uh, I, you know, I think it could happen in the future. But uh, like I said, the, the cost is a big thing. So hopefully it would happen. It'd be fun. Oh, see, now I, see, I was hoping for the political <laughs> intrigue because that's what I like. I, I, I like the chaos. Uh, Scott tells me that the the politics will never let that happen, but you know what do I know? <laughs> well, well, I I, 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 I keep telling him, Mike. I keep telling him that that the University of North Dakota is everything to hockey in the state of North Dakota, and that's not to take away from anything else. But boy, when you see eleven thousand, twelve thousand people packed in every weekend, uh, you know uh, when you say North Dakota hockey, that's what comes to mind. So, is that a competitive? edge in your opinion that has to be worked out or would North Dakota be thrilled to have another NCAA school? I don't think, I don't think North Dakota would have a problem with it. Um, you want to get the political side of it. I, I just think that in my, at my state university is we got too many individuals that um, are too big into football and basketball and other sports. And they know that hockey will be the, will be the kingpin. They don't want to see that happen locally. Yeah. That's, that's, that, there's no doubt about that but uh but no i think und would uh would welcome it um you know another institute you know three hours down the road be able to play uh hopefully in the future they do it bemidji i i don't i I just don't think that und will ever lose their brand or lose their fan base i just i mean i've been at these destination games uh (laughs) in nashville and new york and my god it's like uh, as as a buddy of mine calls them the green locusts they're everywhere so that's uh you know it's amazing but so no, I, I don't think that, I don't think UND would have a problem with it. Mike, thanks so much for uh, for spending some time with us. We call it uh, NCHC Week. We love our partnership with the NCHC. Uh, I promise we'll get in touch uh, when the season gets started again. I'll run into you somewhere. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking that position because uh, that that's kind of a thankless job. And uh, I told Michael Weissman, I said, if there's anybody that can do a good job at this, it's Mike Schmidt. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and thanks for the time, and uh, it was nice talking to you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Mike. All right, you bet. Absolutely. That's the uh, the new director of officiating for the NCHC, Mike Schmidt, joining us. We're going to take a quick break. Paul and I will be back to wrap up another episode of College Hockey West Live. 
At Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. Scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious, man! Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. So you're a few weeks into the season and that brand new equipment bag is starting to get kind of funky. Those sweaty gloves and pads, yuck. Well, there's only so much you can do about it. But when that new pair of summer skates starts to pick up that scent, that's easy. Our customizable shower shoes go right into the washing machine, then air dry overnight, and they're ready for their next shift at the rink. Customizable for your team or with your favorite player's name and number, summer skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear, are perfect for players in the desert or even for just wearing around the house. Head to IcetimeHockeyWest.com and click on the Summer Skates link to get your personalized koozies and shower shoes today. From the nation's best college hockey conference, access exclusive on-demand content and watch more than 140 live games. Ready for you wherever you are, however you want to watch. On your phone, computer, or stream to your TV. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. When you can't be there, be here. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. After a hard day at work or a long week, what's better than good comfort food to put you at ease? At the Spaghetti Shack, we say the answer is comfort food that's made by somebody else. The Spaghetti Shack has taken spaghetti and meatballs, the classic Italian comfort food, to a portable level. ASU alumni owned and operated the Spaghetti Shack is located at 6340 South Rural Road in Tempe and 592 West White Mountain Boulevard in Pine Top, as well as its ghost kitchen in Queen Creek. For lunch, dinner, or catering as well, call us at 480-687-2485 or order online at thespaghettishack.com. Coming to you from the Summer Skate Studios, it's ITHSW Podcast's College Hockey West Weekly. Indeed it is, College Hockey West Weekly. Scott Strandy with you tonight in a uh, coolish can I say that? It's almost summertime. It's 85 degrees here in Palm Springs. Wind's still blowing about 30 miles an hour, but you know what? That's a calm wind here on the I-10 corridor through the uh, Coachella Valley. My co-host is always Paul Hornstein out on Long Island, New York, and that big, beautiful palatial estate where there's nothing but gumdrops, roses, sunshine, rainbows. Yeah. 
all of those yeah. things. Um, <laughs> Paul, we could go on and on and on with Mike. He, he's unbelievable. Uh, so much knowledge and so articulate yeah. in what he does. Um, yeah. I'm not kidding. When when he uh, taught officials, uh, and I was a group of, uh, that's one of the things that I took away is be authoritative. If you're going to make a call, make the call and own it. And uh, I don't think there's enough officials at every level that will make that call. And, um, you, you know, you got to, if you see it, call it. If you don't see it, then don't call it. Well, unless you're George Carlin and you're making it up. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, um, as I said, uh, officials, uh, he, as, as Mike said, you have some officials now that use replay as a crutch. No, no, make the call. Make the call. Don't worry about what the replay says. Make well, after after an hour conversation with Mike, uh, do you not think that the NCHC is in great hands? I know Don did a great job, Don Adam, um, but if you're going to move on from Don Adam, uh, Mike Schmidt's a pretty darn good choice. Yeah, I mean, I think it it uh, it. it uh, I I don't know how we the layperson would notice the difference, but I'm pretty sure that 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 those. Uh, in the inner circle are definitely going to be happy uh, based on the conversation here. Um, It's, you know, it's, 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 it's good to, to, you know, that's what you want from your officials. Make the call. Not only make the call, but, but work with the coaches and work with the video replay people and involve them all. That's all they ever ask for. I mean, you talk to coaches about officiating and it's all they want to know is they want, they want their say, they want, they want to be heard. Right. Uh, some will be more demonstrative. George got was decky, but, <laughs> but, but anyway, you know that that's coming. Um, just deal with it, but then don't take it all night long. It's like, usually it's a warning. I mean, that's one of the things when I was an official, it was a warning. It's like, okay, coach, I get your point, but that's it. We're done now. And then you move on. And, uh, usually that'll get respect. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, I have a little bit of very, very low level officiating experience. And, and, you know, I would tell coaches, here's, here's my philosophy. And, and this is what I'm going to stick to. So, you know, prepare your team for it and, and, and we'll be good because you know what I'm going to be looking for. And absolutely. Absolutely. Communication, my friend, communication. Right. And, and, And I think that that's what you want at any level. You know, when I coached softball, uh, you know, at, at, at the, at the interscholastic level, uh, not coached, when I umpired. I used to, you know, have the meeting of the coaches be- before the game, and I'd be like, I'm just telling you now, if it's if I was umpiring home plate, I'd be, if it's in the same zip code, I'm calling a strike. Get your batters up there to swing when they're not up here to walk. And if I was doing the bases, I would tell them, if there's doubt, they're out. <laughs> love it. I love it. Anyway, we, we appreciate Mike taking some time as we wrap up NCHC. We kind of abbreviated because of the hockey that's still going on. And by the way, who would have guessed that we would have had this uh, opportunity to have college hockey uh, be preempted by uh, professional and 
uh, or NHL and AHL hockey in the West this time of year. It just didn't seem like that would ever happen. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, and I hope everybody's following along with the AHL and the NHL as well. Um, it'll be my not week this week because we had Mike Schmidt tonight. Mason Morelli just got into town a little while ago here in Palm Springs, so hopefully right. we'll uh, connect with Mason and uh, also a UNO player, so an NCHC tie there for Mason. Well, you know, and we have college hockey West ties with, with Joey Decord. So I'm just, oh, we have, we have more than that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. It's, There's you know, a bunch there. of Jimmy Schultz from uh, well, St. Yeah, Cloud well, State. I yeah, but I, I didn't go to St. Cloud. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. Anyway, um, yeah, indeed, Joey Decord did try to score a uh, a goalie goal. Yeah, of course, uh, he did. last night. So, he did. Uh, and he knew that he wasn't going to cause his team any harm. Even Dan Bilesman said, "Yeah, I, I saw that was coming." He made the right choice. He had the alley. He went for it. It, it really would have been icing on the cake if uh, if it had gone in, and that place oh. would have gone berserk. It already was berserk, but. So don't tell me that that hockey can't make it a uh, a non-traditional hockey market because I'm, Vegas I'm showed it phrase, and Coachella Valley showing it. I'm done with that phrase. Non-traditional. <laughs> what the hell is that? Mean? Uh, I'm done you. with that. It's tra- it's traditional now. Everything well, is traditional. traditional. What's traditional? Play it anywhere. Play it what? anywhere. What the, is there ice there? Play the are game play, anywhere. Are they playing roller hockey? They only do that in New York City. True. <laughs> All right, take it away, my friend. From the Summer Skate Studios, Behind the Mask College Hockey West Weekly is brought to you by Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas, the best in barbecue Las Vegas style at our two locations, the original at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas and the second location at 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. Behind the Mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or BehindTheMask.com. The NCHC and NCHC.TV. Subscribe to nchc.tv and catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Jets Pizza. Go to jetspizza.com to find your fresh deal at your nearest Jets location today. Top Golf, place some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find that house at your local Top Golf Center or go to topgolf.com. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is in the resort or in town. College Hockey Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. Liberty University, hockey, education, and faith with equal passion at liberty.edu. And by the Caesars Sportsbook app. Play responsibly on the Sportsbook app that lets you earn Caesars rewards. College Hockey West Weekly presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com podcasts are live on the Podbean app and are available for download at your favorite podcast platform. Search, subscribe, rate, and review ITHSW Podcasts, all one word. That's ITH. SW Podcasts, all one word. Behind the Mask College Hockey West Weekly and all of our weekly podcasts are part of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com network. Very well done, my friend. Uh, we will say a hearty good night and a big thank you to uh, Mike Schmidt and, of course, Michael Weissman for setting things up for us with Mike. Um, NCHC week, man. I'm, it's, the best, it's the best conference in college hockey, and that's part of it. Um, so accessible, so ready to uh, expand, so ready to grow the game. I mean, uh, they just get it, and we're proud to be partners with them. So we'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro. Good night, everybody. Good night.